0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Diaries of a Homosexual. I'm your host, Krishay Sigurdsson, and this week, some of you may know, some of you may not, but I was actually getting canceled online for a second, okay? So I posted a video in August about, you know, the beauty standards in the gay community, And someone had duetted that just to give their own point of view on it, which is amazing. And it got a really good conversation started, but a lot of people from the short three second clip before the stitch were a little upset and put a lot of assumptions about me and not gonna lie. I was getting a lot of hate. There was so many people being like, no, you're literally ugly. And I was like, oh, okay. But I invited this creator, okay, on the podcast today because they brought up so many good points that I want to talk about. And I just think that they offer such a unique point of view, especially to the topic of specifically beauty standards in the gay community. But so much more as you will see throughout this episode before we start though i do you know if you have no clue what's going on we will still enjoy this podcast i promise you but i'm gonna play my original video and then the stitch so that you have even more context before you start the pressure in the gay community to be fit and attractive is actually awful no wonder most of the gay men i know have had struggles with eating we need to flip the script for all these younger people discovering their sexuality because we don't want them being a part of a community that makes them feel like shit about themselves
1: it's not the fact that a fit and attractive person made this video it's the fact that so many of you gay people come on here and say the exact same thing then turn off the camera go out into the real world and only seek to date fit and attractive people, forcing gay people who don't fit those standards to go through what they have to go through in order to get a chance at another gay person just even looking their direction. So my question is, do y'all make this video because you actually want to see change? Or do you make it whenever a hot guy you thought was gonna be attracted to you says no?
0: Hello, Kumo. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Okay, so I found you on TikTok from a stitch that you did of one of my videos originally. I think that you made some amazing points that I really connect with. I wanted to have you on because I wanted to talk about it because a lot of the things that you said, you were right. The almost performative activism in the gay community, especially with a lot of people on TikTok, it is like a thing that happens very often. Um, and I think that you seem very knowledgeable and insightful and you have a really good opinion on these things. And so I really wanted to have you on to talk about it, but first I want to know what about my original video made you feel like this conversation really needed to be had?
1: All right. Um, thank you for that lovely intro. Uh, Um, so the funny story about how I stumble across your video I was scrolling through my TikTok because I wanted to film TikToks that day. And I came across a video by a creator. I I don't know the name. If I find it, I will send it to you. And it was to a sound by Family Guy. And it was continuously saying, 9-11 is bad. And there was cheers in the background. But as she kept saying that, the cheers went lower and lower and lower just showing, like, we're kind of tired of hearing that. At the yeah. point. And the creator had, grinder is bad, put that. Mm. Like, so it was grinder is bad, grinder is bad, and the cheers got lower. So I was like, oh, here's another conversation that we keep on having. Yeah. And what do you know? Right under that video was yours. And okay. I was like, oh, points were made here. Come for them, <laughs> girl. So I was like, I just want to add on to the conversation mm. and I just used your video to do it and unfortunately it got as big as it got yeah. <laughs> and there were positive um yeah comments and there was also a lot of negatives um, so that's just the internet for you babes exactly um, so yeah my whole aim with the conversation um it was just to like raise it again mm-hmm. i realized i was not doing anything Ex- extraordinary anything revolutionary I was just raising the conversation again but the way that I ended it was why do we have that conversation continuously with yeah. nothing being done about it that's just kind of how I wanted to end the video to kind of spark the idea but also pose a question that allows gay people to think about why this conversation keeps being had with nothing exactly. being done about it
0: because it becomes so repetitive. And like, obviously, you know, Grinder is bad. We hear that all the time. I have made videos on it. I have talked about it in my podcast. Everyone knows that it is mostly a hookup app. It is not where most people find their husbands. There are many people who do. I know yes. people who have, you know, met on Grinder, and it's amazing. I'm not saying that it's a blanket statement, but in general, it is a hookup app. And I think, you know, with your video particularly, it was really true how, you know, a lot of people will be like, body standards in the gay community are just so unattainable. It's like promoted in such a way that can be very toxic. Like I know for me personally, like my explore page, Yes, I'm very aware that, you know, it is curated for me. Yes, I do like photos of very attractive men oh, and it is curated man. towards that. Exactly. But like when you mm-hmm. see that, you almost start to feel bad about yourself. Like, oh, why don't I look like that? Why don't I have like washboard abs? And it can be quite toxic. Okay, so I used to be over like 200 pounds and people wouldn't even give me the time of day a lot of the time, which I think is a really sad reality for anyone in the gay community or anyone in general, who is not in the stereotypical body type that is almost like yeah. expected, you know? And I think that it can be taken as like, oh, why are these people talking about this, like when they already have it? And like, I think it's very important to note that like, of course, everyone can struggle with, you know, specifically eating disorders, which which is like what I was like focusing on. And that is a huge, huge problem in the gay community, which once again, we very much know, but- very well. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so awful how so many gay men and people in the queer community in general have struggled with eating. I want to ask you, have you had any struggles with eating before? And like, you know, how'd you overcome it? how do you deal with it? How has it affected you?
1: Before I answer your question, you said that um, you felt like your video was invalid to what I got, right? Because you somehow now fit the standard. And my thing is, it's not our place to invalidate your feelings because yeah. your experience in the gay community is different to mine, but it's still mm. an experience, right? right? And your story is beautiful in the way that you were bigger in the past mm. and you conformed to fit the standard. Yeah. That in itself is a lesson that should be mm-hmm. taught to a lot of gay people to say,
0: yeah.
1: you know, Chris J is a perfect example because Chris J went through this when Chris Jare was this big. And now look at the experience that Chris J is getting now when they're not so big. So Mm -hmm. there's something to be learned from there. And you went through that. So you're speaking from a place of experience. You're speaking from a place of knowledge. So you're not just opening the camera and saying, oh, well, it's so difficult to be me. You know, it's not that whole situation. So I just want you to get that out of the way that your your experience is so valid. Your experience is I think that should be talked about more and I'm glad that yeah. you're bringing it up as much as you can it's really good and it helps younger gay people to see a figure like you speak on such things exactly now when it comes to eating disorders trigger warning as you know the youtubers would say yeah. um it is <laughs> it is a huge um thing in our community and it's not acknowledged because we don't wanna speak about it. Like a lot of us, I know I find myself on ED Tumblr a lot. I find myself on ED Twitter a lot. And sometimes I may think to myself, oh, it's just me getting tips here and there, but it's, it's actually deeper than that. It's me trying to conform to a standard that would make me dateable in yeah. our community. That would help me look attractive to members in our community as well. So there's a, there's a lot that feeds into it. And it, it just sucks that a lot of gay people find ourselves here. It also comes in the media that we consume. When you see a gay person on screen, it's 100% of the time a skinny or masculine gay person. hundred percent. Yes. And we try to promote gym culture as like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe, you know, these comments are not so bad because they force you to work out or they encourage you to work out but working out isn't necessarily a healthy alternative, right? I think yeah. we've brought up the conversation before that a lot of gay men who do go to the gym also face a lot of eating disorders. There's calorie counting at the gym. There's, oh, you have to eat this to bulk up and eat less of this to decrease your size. So a lot of that, just this whole ED bubble kind of yeah. transcends into different categories within our communities. And it's just such that no matter what we promote, disordered eating will often fall apart of that yeah
0: you're entirely right like when i lost weight it wasn't because i was like i want to be healthier i want to like feel better about myself it was entirely because i was getting treated poorly i was getting hurt i don't like saying i was like bullied but like people were really not nice you know at school and when i would go to stores no one would approach me i felt really insecure and so i wanted to change that and initially when I lost weight, it was because I just didn't eat. And that made me feel awful. I was not doing well. I would never want anyone to go through that, but it's awful that that was like, I felt so much pressure to conform that I went through all of that in order to do it. When you talk about like gym culture, that is so true. Like the (laughs) amount, like when you go to the gym, a lot of people, like it can make you feel really good. But it can also be a form of like an addiction almost because you're like, if I don't go to the gym, then I'm going to like gain weight or I'm not going to fit the body standard and no one's going to like me. And it almost becomes like a fear when you don't go to the gym and then you're like addicted to it. And then it's just toxic because if you're forcing yourself to go to the gym and you're like crying in the car before you walk in the door, that is not a healthy release of emotion that is like, Toxic.
1: We talk about these things and we promote them, but we we glamorize them in such a yeah. sense that we don't show the negatives that come with it. So you see, for example, a gay person going to the gym every day, and they share that experience and they talk about how wonderful it is, or the cute man they find at the gym, stuff like that. It makes it seem like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Yeah. But behind those doors, you don't see them counting how many calories they intake. You don't see them skipping meals. You don't see them. Talk about the party dysmorphia, all of these terrible things. And that's one thing that we're guilty of in our community is that we glamorize things and don't share the negative experiences, or we just make jokes about the negative experiences in order to dilute them.
0: Yeah.
1: Going back to hookup culture, you see gay people come on the internet and talk about eating ice before you bottom, you know, the whole day you're skipping meals. That is disordered eating. Yeah. But we're not gonna speak about that because it's so normalized within our community. It's a thing that you unfortunately have to do in order to have great sex at that time. Mm-hmm. So why aren't we discussing the bad? Are we afraid that it's going to tarnish our reputation of being this happy community, of being this perfect community of love and inclusivity? Or are we just afraid to share our real experiences because they make us more human?
0: yeah that's a really great point point. and I want to ask like where do you think that the ideal I'm saying ideal with quotation marks ideal yes. body type and standards kind of come from like why is it you know very Eurocentric ideas of beauty that are seen especially in the gay community as ideal
1: colonization happened unfortunately and one of those uh one of the things that It has brought upon many communities is Mm. the standard of beauty and a westernized standard of beauty and a lot of us find um, it in ourselves to conform to that standard of beauty because we're told that is what is right and when it comes to the gay community we often inherit a lot of these heteronormative like ways of living for example Um, in, the, in the straight community. So straight people have a community <laughs> in a straight world. Yeah. Um, the skinny man is the idealized version. So we took that and made it ourselves and we yassified we, we it. Um, yeah, made a little spicy. You know, in, <laughs> look at the, all the figures that we, you know, we thirst over as the gay community. Figures like Timothy Chalamet, Manu Rios, Aaron Pipa, all of these figures skinny white men. Look at the gay love stories or the big grossing movies that we have. Call Me By Your Name, Morris, God's Own Country, Holding the Man. They're all skinny white men. If we're constantly consuming that type of media, it's going to affect you in some way or another. You're going to normalize that as what you have to conform to. So a lot of us find it in ourselves to try to fit that because we're told that is all that you can be in order to find love in your community in order to be accepted in your community you have to adhere to that mm-hmm. so that's how we got that going on
0: yeah I mean at the end of the day everyone just wants to be loved they want you know someone that makes them feel safe and I find in our
1: community. oh yeah because it's yeah. hard
0: to find like it's hard to find with all this toxic standards and you know pressures that like it does become quite superficial a lot of the time. And that like deeper emotional connection will sometimes get lost. Once again, not always, but as a general kind of idea. What negative effects have these standards had on you?
1: All right. So I, although I live in South Africa, right? I have mm. two different spaces that I find myself in. Yeah. And black spaces, sickness is praised, right? It's like, yo, you have to have some meat on you to show that you're healthy, that you're wealthy, those kind of things. Those kind of things are what we look for and we find attractive in Black spaces. But more often, as I grow up, I find myself a lot in white spaces, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, the places that I go to, the places that I hang out, the places that I visit all the time, they're majority white people. So I often find myself having to fit that standard of beauty in order to I wouldn't say code switching, but it kind of like to kind of blend in better, yeah. to kind of dilute my blackness. This is a very deep conversation that can go into like race politics later. Yeah. Um, but sticking to the conversation. So I find myself having to, I don't allow myself to go past a certain weight, unfortunately, <laughs> because then I'd be too black for certain white spaces, if that makes sense. I don't um I can't allow myself to speak too loudly, because then I'm gonna be too black for certain white spaces. So there's so many things that I find myself having to check. And unfortunately my appearance is a major part of those. So I don't wear my bandanas as often to white spaces. I have to have my hair straightened. I have to, you know, do all of these things in order to fit in, in order to be accepted and in order to be safe, Mm -hmm. Um, so. It's, it's a very complicated conversation. Yeah. Can go either way. We can talk about how maybe I should be using that to liberate myself. But that is such an idealistic way to think because in order to go far, unfortunately, you have to play by the book.
0: Which is a sad reality, quite honestly. It's and I think that reality. brings up a really important topic, topic of white privilege, which mm-hmm. is a lot of the time unseen. And, you know, as like a white man, I don't notice it a lot of the time because I'm white and the world was basically made for me, which is so wrong in so many different ways. And if I walk into a store, I have like a better chance of someone coming up to it or like and approaching me. I have so many privileges that I I don't even recognize just because of my skin color. Can you explain to me a little bit about what white privilege is and how that affects you?
1: So to me, white privilege is necessarily having an advantage over other races simply because you're white. As you've mentioned, the world is made for white people. Um, So because of what white people have done in the past, uh, white people get to inherit a lot of those privileges. So it's hard to acknowledge that you have that privilege when you're not necessarily being told that you have that privilege. It's hard to notice when that privilege comes into play. If you often find yourselves in good spaces that wouldn't necessarily make for you. And in the gay community, whiteness rules our community. (laughs) You go to any club that you go to, um, any blog that you open, it's white people, white gay men are the face of the LGBT community, right? Look at posters, look at social media, activist movements, they often have a white man plastered all over. And that leads to the erasure of many black people, And kind of creates not black people, but like people in color in general, and it creates this bubble for the white man. So when people of color point out, "Oh, this is what we struggle with in the community," it's so easy for the white man to say, "Well, no, girl, what are you talking about? It's so fun in here because that's what they know. That's the safe space necessarily. It's been created for them to be, you know, be white and gay." So we often talk about when I feel like a lot of. people of color, queer people of color, when they speak about white privilege, they will mention that, yes, you do belong to a minority for being gay, but given the chance, your whiteness will always benefit you. And we see it very evidently here when you ask another person, oh, what is your ideal man? And they describe a white man, you know, oh, I like blue eyes and blonde hair. I'm like a brunette with like, you know, sultry eyes, stuff like that. That's just saying, oh, okay. Those are the standards that we have to praise. Those are the standards that you have to meet. Those are the standards that are wanted.
0: A lot of the time, white people become defensive when they're confronted about white privilege. Why do you think that is? And how can we almost like change that?
1: So I don't think we can change it, Mm -hmm. but I think we can have more conversations around it. Yeah. The reason why white people get so defensive is because... It's, it's not nice being reminded of, you know, the privilege that you have, Mm -hmm. uh, because as much as we humans live to one up each other, when you're being told that you're actually one upping the other human by just existing, Mm -hmm. that's a harsh truth that you don't want to, you know, take into account. Um, So it becomes a thing of, oh, you're accusing me of being a bad person simply because I'm white. And that's not what the whole conversation should be around. It's just me letting you know that, hey, you're going to thrive in certain areas because you're white, and that is okay. It's yeah. just a matter of how you use your whiteness to rope in other people that might not be as privileged as you, okay? So it's not, as, it, when people, when queer people of color raise white privilege in queer spaces, we're not saying oh, white people should not be allowed from spaces anymore, or white people should leave, white people should not be doing, we're just saying, hey, as a white person, this is how you benefit and this is how it those benefits can sometimes affect me mm-hmm. so let's just work around making sure that we keep the inclusivity so that it becomes a more welcoming space that the queer yeah. community execute regardless of whatever color you have so it's it's just a matter of just you know raising the points in a way that does not attack the next person but just aims to start a conversation so that you know resolutions could maybe be brought
0: up I find a lot of people that I've had conversations like this with in my life a lot of the time you know specifically older people mostly will be like Mm -hmm. oh well I did nothing wrong so why like it doesn't really apply to me but I think that the point is just entirely missed half the time. It's like, the point is, it's not that you did anything. It's that you were born into privilege. And I think that that's something that people really need to get in their heads. that like You're not being attacked. You're just yeah. being told that like, no matter what you do, we'll always have an advantage in a lot of different ways over a lot of people of like color.
1: That is uncomfortable for most people. <laughs> being born into a privilege, that's something that's out of your control. And I need more, like, people who are born into those type of situations to understand that. Yeah. Like, you don't choose to be born white, you don't choose to be born black, you don't choose to be born rich, you don't choose to be born poor. But yeah. if you're, you find yourself in that situation, you need to know that the way that you go through this life thing will be different from the next person. Yeah. And it's just a matter of acknowledging that. And that's, that's all you need to do, like, just acknowledge it. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. Now,
0: you mentioned before that on TikTok, on social media, in the news, everywhere, people are saying these things. It's like beating a dead horse. Like, you know, obviously 9-11 was bad. Obviously, (laughs) grinder is not the most healthy thing all the time. A lot of people will make videos on this and, you know, talk about these things for views. And in your original video that you stitched of mine, like you did say, like, you know, why are we making these videos? And I wanted to get your perspective on performative activism when people are doing things and, you know, being good people, raising awareness, but like the true intention behind it isn't that val- like truthful all the time.
1: Yeah. Or Conformity is our biggest enemy, I would say. Yeah. Uh, we try so hard, so hard to fit in no matter what. So especially now in the age of the internet, it's so easy to fall into a movement, even though you don't believe in that movement, simply because it's a cool thing to do. So performative activism just happens to be one of those things. I hate it so much. I'm like, if you don't believe in something, you better not speak about it at all. Like it's, it's because you're adding nothing new to that conversation yeah. and it doesn't help being a part of that conversation and not actually practicing it in real life. So, back to the grinder issue, we all have grinder on our phones, but we will say, "Oh, grinder is bad." But when you open a when you open your grinder and find a hookup that day or eventually get a boyfriend from Grinder, it's not bad all of a sudden. It's yeah. good. And to remove yourself from that conversation, leaving people who still think grinder is bad to fight that battle alone when you were helping because it was not benefiting you. But now that it is benefiting you you want to remove yourself so it's just like if you really are passionate about something it will show in how you interact with conversations around that thing online and if you're being performative it will be very evident like some people will have like one post no literally nothing like
0: where (laughs) where's the link to the charity that i can donate to like where where is anything else
1: link to the donation where's Mm -hmm. some of the work that you have done on actual ground and not digitally like where is that you will not see that or you come on this app and on tiktok for example Mm like you go Oh yeah, you know, we need to talk about like body standards blah blah blah. But when you go to a gay club, when a fat person approaches you, you go, "Ew, get out of my face." No, like, literally. Where is where's the activism in all of that? Yeah. You know? Like, you know. Um so be very aware of what your platform promotes mm-hmm. as a creator of any different space. If you want to speak about an issue that is dear to you, make sure that you have adequate research to make sure that you're able to contribute something meaningful to that conversation and not recycle ideas that have been said before simply because you know it's gonna get you likes you know it's gonna get you engagement you know people are gonna call you smart but you can't add anything of your own to that conversation
0: right I find and you brought up a really good point like just a few seconds ago about fat phobia in the gay community Which is just another thing that like separates us and just makes more people feel excluded. And like they're like Mm -hmm. outside of the inner circle. Do you feel like the problem with specifically rejection is not so much of you should only date fit attractive guys, whatever. And more of if you are not attracted to someone, don't be mean to them. Don't be rude. Don't make them feel less than.
1: Yes. Yes we can't, uh, we can't control what we're attracted to, you know, what I find sexy is what I find sexy, and if I want that, that is okay, but like you said, if somebody does not fit my box of what an ideal mate is, it's not my place to shame them for not fitting that Mm -hmm. box, it's not my place to make them feel bad about themselves for not fitting that box, it's not my place to be rude, oh my god, the rudeness is astronomical it's not my place okay. to be rude to that person because that person is just existing and that person frankly found you attractive yeah. so you know, like thank you you, you, so you know? Many, like thank you you know like thank you yeah i'm flattered that you find me attractive um so you can there's so many ways you can easily say you're not necessarily what i'm looking for mm-hmm. but we can see where this goes if you want to give it a try you know like things like that yeah like the way we use our words is very important because that could change somebody's life forever one it could stick with them for life Mm -hmm. like for life like i was told um oh you're very feminine that's okay but like you have to be a little bit petite you know to present ultra femininity so i was like oh okay so my femininity is kind of invalid because I'm not necessarily on the much skinnier side so that comment stayed with me and it's now at the back of my mind all the time whenever I lift a plate whenever I go to work out like I often have find myself replaying that memory and it's things like that that we need to acknowledge because it just it's really messed up I don't know if I could Where I would say it's really fucked up.
0: And I find too, like a lot of the labels that we use, bear, twink, otter, they're very toxic in general. And they're almost used against people a lot of the time. Why do you think there is such a need for these labels? And do you think that need is valid?
1: Do I think there's a need for the labels? No. But I think labels are a thing that we created to separate ourselves from... The heteronormative society mm-hmm. so straight people don't have labels right you won't find a straight bear a straight twink none of that um so it's a thing that is exclusive to our community which is hooray we have something that does not align with heteronormity, but it's not necessarily working for us either because yeah. it's very active and it categorizes gay people and we're supposed to be a space that gets rid of that. we're supposed yeah. to be a space that allows everybody to just exist, just be themselves regardless of what you belong to. So you have a lot of people who are comfortable with calling themselves or attaching themselves to a label. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who want to attach themselves to a label, but don't, one, either have a label or two, can't, don't know which label they specifically fall under. Because yeah. you have people who are skinny, you know, and, but a bit older, so they can't call themselves a twink that's weird but they don't have a label to fall under you know so it just it's just so weird how this whole categorical label thing works in that community and how it's meant to form many communities but also divide the larger communities
0: no exactly because some people just don't identify with any label and i think too it's almost more negative when it's used against you in a context that like you don't necessarily agree with like it 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 can literally just be like name calling a lot of the time like so after (laughs) the video that you posted a lot of people were stitching like your video my video but I found one video in particular that someone made and they went on like this three minute rant and they called me like a skinny gay twink like three times yeah and then at the end they were like so fuck you And because the topic that I was talking about in my original video was like eating disorders, calling someone a skinny gay twink is like, like it doesn't help anyone, you know? And I think the person that made that video made a few good points, but I think the delivery was really off because you can make those points without putting someone else down. And I think that that also gets missed a lot of the time because things like twink, Are used way too frequently in ways that aren't beneficial to people calling people ugly calling people unattractive calling people a twink it doesn't help anyone it doesn't make you feel better it shouldn't at least it doesn't make the person you're calling that name feel any better about themselves and I think that that needs to also be talked about of of how that's not okay either what is your view on let's say, something like the F-slur being used?
1: We have reclaimed the F-slur, I would say, mm. online. Uh, but in real life, I don't really think a lot of us actually use it in our daily lives. No. Um, because if we, 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 can't, we can't forget the hurt that that word has brought to our people right we can't get rid of that no matter how much we try so as much as we want to pull ourselves the Epsler online as like a kiki key key, it does not transcend to real life and i think it's best that we acknowledge that because yeah. i don't know that you're okay like in real life so if you were to come to me and call me an Epsler, my first reaction would be to retaliate i would like oh, go, yeah. oh my god why would you call me that like and then you have to explain yourself, oh, I'm actually gay. But I'm like, okay, maybe let's not use that if it's going to confuse people. Um, and you made a great point about like our own categories being used against us. Um, mm-hmm. so especially on Twitter, I see a lot of the times when people raise points, they often put down as like, oh, what does a twink have to say? Oh, what are you yeah. going to add? That's important. And it's kind of worth this culture of invalidating people based on which category within the gay community they fall in Mm -hmm. and it's ridiculous to me because I thought having figures raise important conversations that need to be discussed is very important so if you feel like somebody what somebody is saying does not necessarily align with your experience when you click on stitch video make sure what you're adding to the conversation is something that's one respectful to the creator two is going to raise an important conversation three is not going to put down the creator of the video that you're stitching or make them feel like what they're saying is complete trash we we have different experiences in this community and i think that we fail to really understand that simply because you have it harder it does not mean the next person can't have it hard in general
0: so i want to know what has your experience being a queer person been like in South Africa specifically because I think it's going to be a little different from how it is like in Canada.
1: South Africa we have a great constitution Mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately it's great on paper but not on actual grounds. Um, I find myself very comfortable because I I'm a suburban kid now. Obviously things are much easier but growing up in the townships uh, you couldn't necessarily be openly gay right. and expect to see another day, unfortunately. Um, we do still have a lot of lesbian like, rapes and murders. We still do have a lot of gay bashing happening. So, when you see a person that you I see a very feminine or very masculine lesbian or a very feminine gay person walk amongst the streets in the hood, as Americans would say, (laughs) it's like so commendable. Like I'm in awe to say you are literally so brave for being your true self in that space. Um, But I'm very grateful for where I am now. It's a very privileged thing to say, but I get to be in spaces where my queerness is celebrated and I love it. Like I can walk amongst the streets in a skirt and kudos to me, you know, I will get a few whistle tones here and there, a little catcalling here and there. But what other than that, it's very, very good. Uh, very, so inclusive. people mind their own business here. Nobody yeah. really cares. Um, as long as you're doing you, they're good with that. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to like the whole culture of it all, we do have like Pride events and all of those things, but they're not necessarily accessible to everyone because they're either in very, like, very exclusionary upper echelon spaces or very inclusionary but dingy spaces that are not necessarily safe for people to access. Right. Um, so, for example, a thing that we have is, like, Vogue Nights, which is kind of like ballroom culture in yeah, yeah. the American here, But a lot of the time that's held in the Johannesburg CBD, and that's not necessarily a very safe space. So gay people who do go there have a nice time, but gay people who've never been there are very hesitant to even try to go there because right. like, oh, what if I get robbed? What if I get bashed? Things like that. So there's still a lot of work to do in terms of educating people about, you know, the queer space and the gay community and all of those things. But so far, I would say South Africa is well on its way to being one of the most inclusionary spaces, and I love it.
0: That's awesome. So what has your personal experience dating in the gay community been like?
1: It has been well, wow, I would say. Like, for me, I have not had a open relationship, unfortunately. And by open, I don't mean necessarily the traditional open relationship. I just yeah. mean a relationship. Very public. I have not had that uh because of the people that I was with. I'm not gonna, oh, I don't know if I want to speak on this, but the people that I've necessarily been with are not necessarily allowed to be open because of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, so our my most of my relationships have been behind closed doors. They have been very private. I'm very grateful that I have had the experience to love. Yeah. Um, but now I'm at a place in my life where if it's behind closed doors unfortunately I can't do that so I'm looking for somebody who's going to love me proudly yeah out there. I've been very lucky like I see other gay people speak about how they've never dated until like 19 or oh, they've only had the like, first relationship in 20 years yeah. um but I have been on a girl since 13 like I've been <laughs> good been- <laughs> um so I'm very like grateful for that whole experience like to have saying that I've been in a relationship that I've actually experienced the touch of another man that's amazing
0: yeah that's awesome what made you decide that like I am worth way more than being you know hidden
1: dating somebody who's in a closet takes a lot of work right especially now in a time where gay relationships are very publicized you do somewhat feel the pressure to want to but please post a picture of you guys holding hands. You know, we, we are teens. We're very susceptible to like online influences and all of that. And I yeah. want to kind of show how cute your relationship is also, right? But dating somebody who's in the closet doesn't necessarily allow that. So I'm not saying that I will never again date somebody who's in the mm-hmm. closet. But um, if I were to date somebody in the closet, it would have to be somebody who's very aware of my needs as well and meets me halfway. I respect people, can't come out because of religion, because of family. You don't have to do that because of me, but at least make me feel like I'm not some dirty little secret. Make me feel appreciated within the relationship. Not make me feel like taboo, because I feel like I have worked so hard to get to the point where I love and accept myself, and I can express myself very openly, and I don't feel the need to put myself back in a cage because I have to now meet your needs as a person in the closet, right? It's a very complicated conversation. Yeah. Um, We can talk about how maybe I'm saying that from a place of privilege because I get to be openly out. It's just one of those things, unfortunately.
0: Do you find that, like, your own self-worth was sometimes based on your appearance? And, you know, you would almost settle for people and relationships because of your self-worth being... You know, lower than it should be.
1: I wouldn't say appearance, I would say sexuality. Okay. Especially when I was younger, I was very hypersexual. So I was in a like a very like Muslim dominated school, right? Right. So in high school, I was often like sexualized by a lot of like the Muslim men in that space because it's I was new, right? I was a new figure in their lives. I've never seen the gay people be so openly proud before. So I had to combat that by oversexualizing myself so that I kind of felt better, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, if I'm twerking, I'm twerking because I want to and not because they want me to. You know, yeah. it was kind of the thing where I was, I was feeling like I needed to do this in order to kind of like be ahead. That has not necessarily worked well for me because the people that I would attract, unfortunately, were people who were fetishizing a version of me. It took a while to find a relationship where somebody actually saw me as a person and not as a sexual figure yeah now I'm actively working towards you know like overcoming that and kind of being more comfortable and doing things because I want to and not because I feel like I have to would you say I've had an issue with over sexualizing yourself as well
0: I feel like me personally you know where I grew up Overall, it was accepting. I did go to private Catholic school since for like 11 years, two of them were all boys. For me, like I was so deeply in the closet that I was trying so hard to fit in and appear straight that like, I feel like personally, I didn't oversexualize myself just because I didn't want to appear gay. I was never the person in school who was like outwardly proud and like, I am gay at least not in grade nine and 10. I just was so in the closet that, you know, I find to act straight, you have to talk in a deeper voice. Like a lot of the time, like typically I talk in like a like a head voice almost. But if I'm like talking, trying to be like straight, I would talk from like more of my diaphragm, like stomach, you know, like a deeper. You also, I learned, say as little words as possible, show little face, like as little emotion or expression as possible. And then you just come across a straight. And so I was almost like so not sexual because I didn't want to be asked, Prache, what do you think of like this girl? Cause like I'd be like, looks great. You know, like I didn't know what to do because <laughs> it just it wasn't yeah. for me. Sex is such a big, like there's such importance placed on it in the community. Why do you think that is?
1: I would say that it's because we didn't get to have that in high school. Like yeah. you look at straight people in high school, they're talking about, well not all of them, but like most yeah. them about kissing under the benches during a sports game, having sex at a party, stuff like that. We didn't get to experience that because of who we are. We find that now that we have access to it, it's kind of been made a priority and unfortunately that was a thing that was set in the past and our younger generations have to, are kind of born into that whole sexual gay culture and they have no say in it at all. And a lot of us now realizing that you know, we don't always have to have sex when we see each other. Why can't we date? Why can't we have cuddles? Why can't we have this, right? But it's, when sex is such a huge thing in our community, it's kind of hard to move past that so easily. It's kind of hard to say, let's abolish sex. Let's no exactly. first, <laughs> right? That's what you find when this, when this kind of conversation is had often times, uh, people will say, oh yeah, hookup culture is bad. And then go hookup the next yeah. second because what else am I going to do when I can't find love on an app that was promised mm-hmm. to find me love? You know what I mean? Exactly. So I think instead of saying things like, oh, let's get rid of Grindr overall, I think let's start encouraging I mean, Grindr now is was taking pride that they are a hookup app. You see on the TikTok all the time. Yep. But <laughs> I'm saying make spaces on these apps, for example, to allow people who want to date to find people to date
0: mm-hmm. and people
1: who want to just hook up to find that. So Grindr yeah. could example. For- have a tab like a relationship tab and a hookup tab and then you would know <laughs> who to find those space also we can talk about how we don't have like adequate sex ed especially for gay people Definitely not. so the things that we learn are unfortunately on certain websites that kind of adds to the over sexualizing of our own selves within our community
0: I don't know about you but like during your like sex education personally I was taught abstinence they were just like don't have sex and nothing bad will happen and that was the oh, extent yeah. of it because I find in Catholic like schools the people are just so much more like like yeah yeah because it's like so repressed it's like don't have sex but then you can't tell a bunch of like teenagers to you know just oh just don't and then you're fine you know like properly educate them so that people can make the choice for themselves even though a majority of people are straight you should educate everyone on everything educate the straight boys on gay sex educate us on like straight sex, because there's not gay and straight. It's like, there's, it's, it's a really is a spectrum. Yeah. And you can like different things. And I think another thing too, is people are like, thought I was straight, but like, you know, maybe I'm gay, maybe I'm bi. And like, they don't really know. You don't have to know, you know, yeah. if you're educated on how to have safe sex, how to cultivate a meaningful relationship, like that's something that could be taught too. It's so important that we don't put pressure on people as well to label themselves and if we just teach people to be safe then I think the world will just be a better place the whole
1: abstinence thing worked for you baby boomers but it's not working for our generation Mm -hmm. unfortunately and we can't keep like hiding that because now you're promoting things like like irresponsible sex and yeah you find a lot like young gay men Go on these hookup apps and they learn sex from older gay men, and Mm. it just creates this very unhealthy dynamic within the gay community as well. So, sex is very very Mm. much needed.
0: That's also a really good point because a lot of the time, underage boys will go on these apps and find very much older men. And Mm. you know, there is a stigma in the gay community which I think is very toxic, you know, because you know, way back when gay people were made to be like pedophiles basically and like sexual deviance which is awful because that is not a mental illness like that is that that's just crazy to me that people ever thought that it is very toxic that older gay men specifically have like a stigma of like oh they're like creeps because that's not true at all yeah. but at the same time there are older gay men who do go for very much younger boys I'm saying boys because they are literal children. And that's not okay. But at the same time, it is not fair to say that that is only gay men because there are straight men out there, very much older straight men who go for very much younger girls. And I think the difference is young gay guys who are like exploring and figuring themselves out, they don't have the same opportunities as straight people. And so they look for opportunities. And then these older men who are into that are like, you know, looking for younger. And so it's almost like the younger people are okay with it. And then you get older and you realize like, that's so fucked.
1: The whole conversation gets a little bit interesting going back to not having certain experiences when you were young. Um, Older gay men want to live out those experiences through younger gay men. And I'm not talking about pedophiles who like, you're 16, you're going for a 14 year old. I'm more or less talking about maybe you're 35 dating a 25 year old, for example. Um, That dynamic is totally different because now we have two consenting adults. Yeah, exactly. Um, And those gay men want to feel young again. You know, they want to have that thrill, that rush. And unfortunately they can only get that from guys who are a little bit younger than them. And that's a whole different conversation, right? And people mix the two. Because it's just easier. Also, it's great for the straight eye to say, oh, well, they're the same, you know? Yeah. Especially now in, like, the TikTok generation where any age gap is grooming, oh, my God. Mm. Like, you can't live to see the day. If like, you're- I'm sorry, but if you are if
0: 16 old. and someone is, like, 19, like...
1: that Exactly. Like, that is what i don't know how is that grooming thank you for saying that like like it definitely can be
0: but it's like if they are both consenting like it's literally three years like you would never say that about a 20 year old a 23 year old i think
1: consent is very important as long as it's two consent it's two consenting people of the right mind yeah you have a good relationship potentially 100%, 100%, Not I think good. that's an amazing
0: point. I wanna talk a little bit about what it is like to be a person of color in the queer community.
1: Because of like the white spaces that I often find myself in, uh, it's easier for me to find a relationship because of my white counterparts, if that makes sense. So dating for me has never been a struggle, mm-hmm. right? Uh, being a person of color in the community has never necessarily been a struggle because I've never really felt excluded from certain spaces because I have like white friends and when we're all in a circle and we go to a club together, I'm treated as one of them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I find that somebody who does not have, especially in South Africa, we have like black people with very thick accents. So if I am talking like this, I may not necessarily be included in certain spaces because I do not, fit that you know that white image that perfect white image I don't know if I'm making like sense in no
0: it definitely makes sense like I, I get what you mean
1: like passability if that makes sense yeah in that like you're almost like
0: surrounded yeah. by white people so then you know no one's going to be like pointing you out a lot of yes
1: yeah, so I adopt a lot of the mannerisms a lot of the language yeah. a lot of like you know so it's easier for me in the gay community in spaces that are very exclusionary mm. um so we re- that's why like recently i've made it my mission to allow people who don't sound like me people who don't act like me to also be included in those spaces yeah. as well because you would also find people of color who are like me who managed to you know conform to whiteness forget that they are people of color forget yeah. that they will always be a person of color regardless of how many white spaces you find yourselves in and try to uphold that white supremacy by now putting down people, other people of color who don't necessarily fit that standard. And mm. it's just a whole different conversation that should be had amongst queer people of color and how we plan to move forward with that whole thing because it's it's just ridiculous, man. Just because you have managed to find yourself in a good space, it does not mean that you have to like forget other people and treat them bad
0: yeah now I want to hear from you what would some advice be to younger queer people that you feel would be beneficial for them to hear
1: firstly coming out great right but it's the easiest thing you can do yeah because after coming out having to live as an openly gay person that changes shit forever, right? Um, That is a daily battle that we constantly have to go through. And you're going to meet a lot of bumpy roads on your journey and you need to be prepared for that. As a gay person, yes, we grow thick skin to protect ourselves, but it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to share your emotions. It's okay to speak up about your struggles. There will always be somebody who is going through the same thing as you and you never know how your words could help the next person so if you're rejected from a club by someone please share that on the internet that could start a very important conversation you could literally revolutionize certain things yeah sex is not important (laughs) <laughs> it is an important part of a relationship but it's it's not important to it does not add anything to your worth mm-hmm. if you do not want to be a part of the hookup culture that is completely fine you don't have to find yourself on these spaces that promote that it's there's nothing wrong with wanting a relationship it's completely normal. We should all be wanting relationships. Yeah. It's human. And not everybody is going to be monogamous. It's very important to also know that. Unfortunately, everybody's different. We do have people who love being polyamorous, and that's okay. Don't shame anybody for it. Our experiences are not the same. Mm. But most importantly, listen to what the next gay person has to say. Simply because somebody has more privilege than you, it does not mean that the experience is wrong. It does not mean that what they're saying is a buttload of crap. There's always something to learn from somebody else's story.
0: So where can people find you if they wanna know more about you, if they wanna follow you?
1: So they can find me on YouTube at Kumo Marcom K-H-U-M-O-M-A-R-K-H-A-M. Um, and then on TikTok at Kumo Markham underscore. So on TikTok I'm a bit silly. On YouTube I'm a lot more intellectual. So you yeah, get best of all as well. As well.
0: anyways, thank you so so much. Please do not forget to go rate the podcast five stars. It really, it would make me so happy if you would do that. I would love you forever. It really helps me out. Just, it's it's literally so quick. Like, it takes no time. Just go, hit five stars, write a little review if you feel like you want to do so. Please follow me on at Diaries Homosexual on TikTok, on at Diaries Homosexual on Instagram, at Crochet Stickers on Instagram if you want to. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what Kumo and I talked about. I hope you learned something and I will see you next week. I love you.
1: Bye homos.